Um, thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you, worship team. Um, this is, that was just great. Uh, thank you, students graduating, or otherwise we wouldn't have this day. They only let me speak when you graduate. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, my name is Ben Christensen. I am the interim youth director here at Grace, uh, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Um, sometimes they let me up here. Um, we'll see after this if I get to come back. All right. Soon they will clean the dining room table. We know they will finally do it. Even though we've asked a thousand times before, their room will be straightened and there will be less stuff crowding the kitchen table. We won't find their socks in random places on the floor or random Lego pieces scattered around the house for our unsuspecting feet to find. The running around from swimming lessons, dance, youth group, and school will soon be a distant memory. We all know what it'll mean. They'll be gone. All the years we've spent asking them to pick up, clean up, and straighten up will one day be answered by the silence of sparkling cleanliness. Or at least we hope some semblance of a clean house. The sorrowful sign of their absence represents the truth of Solomon's wisdom in Proverbs 14.4. Without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for the harvest. And this harvest is the most important harvest of our lives and one we will eventually have to let go of. You see, these children, we get to love them from birth. We hug them. We raise them. We teach them. We share biblical values with them. We train. We help them figure out their giftings. We also help them identify their shortcomings. And one day they grow up and walk away. It's the goal for every parent, right? We've all planned for it. We've prepared for it and prayed for it. We have taken to heart what Proverbs 22.6 says. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. And then graduation swoops up upon us suddenly and surprisingly like a Pacific Northwest storm, and it has completely swept us off our feet and onto our behinds. We are left wondering, how did we get here so fast? And what about the sacrifices we have made as mothers and fathers along the way? Being a mother involves sacrifice. Morning sickness is just the first hint, and labor is a necessary beginning. Women's bodies bear our children in preparation for the load that our hearts will soon carry. Mothers and fathers spend a child's early days singing songs, reading books, combing hair, changing diapers, and sharing Bible stories. We endure interruptions to our sleep, our schedules, and our futile attempts to use the bathroom on our own. And as our children age, the sacrifices continue. We nervously put keys in the hands and move to the passenger side so they can take the wheel. We stay up late waiting for them to come home. And we stay up even later to listen to them as they recount the details of their evening out. We speak less 
and pray more. Our concerns for our children only grow as they grow. We understand more clearly how little sleep, um, sorry, we understand how more clearly how little we actually control. Uh, we once carried them safely in our arms. We now bear the weight of holding them in our prayers. We tend to think of the word sacrifice only in negative terms or in a situation where we have to give something up. But Scripture explains it as a life-giving exchange. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus' sacrifice won our redemption. His death brought us life. As parents watch their children walk out the door for their last day of school, we know there will be tears and a sense of loss of another year with them. Whether it is a student moving into middle school, high school, college, or beyond, we will have one last goodbye hug each morning. Eventually, there will be one less plate at the dinner table. We won't get to hear about their day and discuss their latest ideas about the mechanics of life or what new trees should be planted in the backyard. It's a new invitation to sacrifice. The sacrifice of letting them go. After all, this is what the whole parenting process is about. We have these children that have been entrusted to us for a little while. We nurture them, we care for them, we instruct them, we love them, we redirect them, and ultimately we create spaces where our children can test the boundaries of life in a safe environment where they can develop their God-given gifts and work out their faith. Notice I didn't say work out your faith, but rather work out their faith. We as parents can help them tune into that homing device we have within each one of us that is calling us home, calling us all to a dependency on Jesus. Our children will move on to new people, new places, new ideas, new adventures. And we let go knowing the loss we feel is an emptiness that only God can fill with his fullness. In letting go of them today, there is hope for tomorrow. We look forward to the joy of watching each of them become who God has created them to be in this redemption story. We pray that our influence decreases in their life and that Jesus' influence will increase. Like in John 3.30, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. We hope they come home telling us stories of new friends, new studies, new ideas, and new paths that they have wandered with Jesus. And we will be here waiting, hoping, and praying. And when they do come home, we will have their favorite dinner ready to be served on a nice, clean dining room table. But 
before they ever leave to eventually come home for that meal. We need to talk about the growing up and then the leaving. I think there are some things we can do to begin the letting go process from a child's birth to when they are out of our homes. We need to learn to recognize the difference between our children's needs and our own and how to not let our needs block the way of our children thriving. We need to set boundaries for ourselves, practicing giving our children the space they need to grow in Jesus. We need to give our children a chance to master master tasks alone so that they can learn from their mistakes. We need to instill the values of Christ in our children and trust that He will inform their daily decisions before and after they are out of our homes. We need to acknowledge that we've done our best as a parent and that the hands-on phase of parenting does eventually come to an end. As our children mature, we need to begin to build a new relationship with them that is less about their dependency on us and more about mutual respect, admiration, and a celebration of a budding, capable, young adult. Every step of childhood is one step forward towards independence and letting them go. From crawling to walking to potty training, eating with utensils for the first time to reading and writing, to the first day of school and beyond, Each of these moments take our children further towards being their own thinkers, decision makers, and ultimately authors of their own faith. Our children are ours to carry for, or sorry, our children are ours to care for and lead for only a little while. This is a serious business of growing up little ones in and on the right path. Eventually, we will have to let them go. The question I want to ask is, have we spent these formative years of our children's lives creating little versions of ourselves who depend on us as parents to be their firm foundation, their stability, their home, their identity, their hope, and a safe place to land? Are we growing up children who have an identity and dependency in us as parents? Are we growing up children who have a dependency and identity in something more life-giving and lasting? meaning a dependency on Jesus. I love how in the Old Testament, God was always reminding the Israelites of the story that they had been dropped into at birth, right? The story that began long before they were born, before their people were even a people, the story that would continue long after any individual had reached the end of his his or her life span. Old Testament scripture records these repeated remindings of identity, calling, and dependency, and sacred responsibility until those scriptures themselves have become a perpetual reminder for all of us. The New Testament writers likewise dispensed a significant amount of ink to remind us as a community of believers of who we are in Jesus of where our hopes are anchored, and of where our own little lives in this thing called history are going. Apparently, our true identities and stories are things easy for us to forget. 
that we lose track of or that we walk away from. And eventually we forget where our true home and identities lie. And sometimes we need to be reminded of our identity and place and purpose in this bigger story. We need to be reminding our children of their place in the kingdom of God and where their true home and identity lies. This isn't just for our children, though. We all have doubts, fears, insecurities, and lies of dazzling variety flooding us each day and competing for our attention. Each of us desperately needs others to repeat back to us where our identity lies and to remind us of the bigger context we were born into, to bring us back again and again to that wondrous story of Jesus, to locate us somewhere within that story. This is in the hope that some of us might be inspired to find appropriate moments in which to remind our own children, other family members, friends, of their stories, of their redemptive threads woven through their lives. This isn't a call to police other people's faith, but rather a coming alongside and planting seeds that help cultivate a flourishing faith, and encouraging those to grow. We are, after all, stewards of one another's stories. And we would do well to see ourselves as such. For such stewarding is a most essential part of what it means to live in a church community. We are meant to remind each other of our identities in Christ and the dependency we must have on him. As parents, we are stewards of our children. We can create an environment where their dependency is on us and what we can provide for them. Or we can create an environment where our children are learning each step of the way from us as parents that they can lean into Jesus and what he has for them in his story. You see, much of the Israelite story was learning where the dependency needed to be focused. The Old Testament was a playbook for showing how God was trying to guide his people to kick the habits of this world and their dependency upon false hopes and people. God instead wanted the Israelites to learn that the only way to survive and thrive here on earth was by realizing how much they needed and depended upon God to guide them, lead them, and ultimately parent them. I think that is... I think that this dependency is inside of us somewhere, and we know it. God is constantly calling us back to him, like a homing beacon, bleep, bleep, blooping in our hearts that we have either tuned out, can barely hear, or we have hopefully learned how to tune into. But are we truly in tune with it? You see, God is always calling us back to him, and our hearts do feel it. Amber and I are currently in that phase of life where we are teaching our two young girls where home is. Some of you may remember this as well. The girls are learning what state, city, street, and zip code they live in. This looks like us asking, Willa, where do we live? California. No, <laughs> where do we, Disneyland's in California. Where do we live? Oregon. 
Yes, we live in Oregon. What city? New York City. Beaverton. <laughs> and so on and so forth. What street? York Street. New York Street. Still not New York Street, but we're teaching them these things, right? And this looks like us asking where they live, all the things. We are working on Amber's phone number as well. Um, I'm working on Amber's phone number as well. Uh, <laughs> what is happening here is we are preparing them for independence down the road, right? We know that soon they might have to give someone who isn't a family member directions to our house. We are teaching them where our family home is, but we are also trying to teach them of their identity, dependence, and home in Jesus. I think we have this disconnect and a longing for home in Jesus instilled inside of us. It's like a custom dependency beacon. And the Welsh have a word for this. And it doesn't translate well or as beautifully in English, but I'll do my best to describe it here. The word is hariath. It is a longing or a homesickness, a deep feeling of yearning to be reunited with something, someone, or somewhere. I think the psalmist in Psalm 62, gives a fairly good picture of what a home in God could look like and what we should be yearning to be reunited with. Psalm 62, 5 through 8 says this, let, the, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. I hope one day that my children will have this sense of longing to be home in Jesus. I hope that my children will find their dependence on Jesus and ju not just me or my wife to care for them. My desire is that in each step of this journey with my children, I allow the God of heaven and earth to take ownership of their lives and hearts. That my fathering would allow the space for Jesus to lay claim on my children's lives and that my own wants, needs, or hopes for them would not take over? Will I be able to help my children tune into the goodness that is Jesus and what he has for them in their lives? Can I let go of my selfish desires for my children, whatever those may be? Yeah, the letting go is hard. And the desire for them to feel like I am the safest place on the planet for them is huge. But the safest place isn't actually in me. It's in Jesus. And just like with the Israelites, Jesus is, is continually inviting us into his life and home and telling us that this is where we belong. We let go of our children little pieces at a time with every new step they take. 
Those steps will eventually lead them out of our front doors and into the world outside the homes we have cultivated for them. Will our children be well-equipped for walking through this life with Christ, or will the dependency lie elsewhere? We can't carry or own their faith in Christ for them, but we can lead them and guide them in the river of goodness that is dependency on Christ. Our children will eventually, when they leave, come home to a clean dining room table, and we will share a delightful meal with them. But Jesus has also prepared a meal for us, for each of us. And this was what the passage was about that Lucas read from earlier. Jesus is continually calling us to his table. He has invited us into his home to eat and drink with him. And while I do love a good home-cooked meal, I really want to know what Jesus' feast table is like, right? What does that taste like? Does he have craft beer? I don't know. Craft wine? Is that a thing? Okay. Many years ago, I was at a high school summer camp. I was beginning to find my spiritual footing on dependency in Jesus and no longer a dependency on my parents' faith. And the speaker shared something that he prayed over his children every single night. And two of the youth leaders at that camp took that prayer and turned it into a song. And that song became an anthem for our high school ministry. That song became our heartbeat. For me, that song was a stepping stone away from my parents' faith and into my faith and a true dependency in Jesus. It is a very simple prayer, and yet I think it is an important prayer to help us begin to identify our lives in Jesus. We're going to sing it here in a few moments, but first I want to pray it over all of us right now as we wrap up our time here. Heavenly Father, may our minds have your wisdom. May our eyes see your glory. May our ears hear your words. May our mouths speak your truth. May our hands do your work. May our heart be your home. May our knees bow before you. And may our feet follow you. As we respond and worship together, let's make this a prayer of all of our hearts today.